Hey, soccer players. Today we have a special edition of the Soccer Fitness Experience podcast. We're here with Shiraj Chakraborty. Um, he's a physio for the youth national team in the United States, and he also does some work with a local developmental academy. Um, he's going to talk about his experience with the national team and um, what he's doing right now with his local teams in the area. So we hope you enjoy the episode. Let's start out very, very basic. Will a six-pack help me as a soccer player? Logically. Why pre-game meals are important? If you do strength training, you can generate more force on the ground. It will take you less stride to get to that ball. Until you get there, you can make that up with hard work and dedication and training. On top of it, right? So if you're a player that has little to no training history, imagine the, the gains and speed that you can get in such a short period of time because you're doing things. This is why strength training is important. I don't care how you do your strength training. I don't you know some people like to go to the gym. I just wanted to double down on that really quick. The point is you have to get stronger. Hello, soccer players. Welcome to the latest episode of the Soccer Fitness Experience. It's me, your co-host, Andy, with my main man, Berg. Berg, how you doing today, bro? I'm good. I'm good. You know, still quarantine as always. I can't get a haircut, so my hair is is going wild right now. Um, I can't afford to actually shave my head because it's I, I've not worked that look yet. So <laughs> it's gonna be an easy process. How you doing? Doing good, my man. I'm chilling out here in New Jersey. This is day 15 of quarantine. Um, it's it's rough. And honestly, because of how close I am to New York, it's probably going to be pretty rough for a pretty long period of time here. But um, today is not about us. We have a very special guest with us today. That's His right. name is Shiraz. He is a um, physical therapist. He works out in LA. So Shiraz, go ahead and introduce yourself, man. Like, Tell us what you're about. Hey guys, thanks for having me. Uh, like I said, my name's Shiraj. Uh, so I'm a PT. Uh, I'm an athletic trainer. Um, I got my sports uh, clinical specialist uh, certification, and I'm a certified strength and, uh, strength and conditioning coach. Um, so right now, I work in LA. Um, currently, kind of working on some personal ventures. I'm also doing my fellowship at Movement Performance Institute with Dr. Chris Powers, and my big interest is working with. Uh, Soccer players, uh, I work, as you mentioned already, I work with the youth national teams. Uh, I've worked with the men's national team as well. And, uh, yeah, that's kind of my quick, quick story at the moment. How'd you, how'd, you get, how'd you get this job, man? As you, you know, it, it's when I was um, um, a first-year DPT student, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about, hmm, I'm, I'd like to go venture into soccer. But it's, it's just so vast to comprehend because there's so many hoops and loops that you have to go through. Um, you have to know the right people, you have the right connection, um, have a certain amount of experience to get access into this kind of level, um, working with athletes. How'd you get, how did you get your foot into the door? man? Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, that's a good question. And, and you're right. You know, part of it is that you got to have some connection, things like that, and a little bit of luck on your side. Right. So I, I had both, I'll be honest with you. Um, my previous, uh, soccer coach when I was a youth player. Um, and also my physical therapist, uh, who helped me rehab my knee had both had ties with us soccer. Huh. Um, so that was my kind of initial in, um, since then I knew like after just watching them, hanging out with them, I was like, man, this is something I really want to do. Um, but really what happened was I, uh, just, I asked them if they would recommend me, um, to, to apply for a job with us soccer. So they said, sure. 
Um, but all they did is they gave me an email uh, of someone at U.S. Soccer who handles uh, assigning physios and athletic trainers. That's it. And that's all I got. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, but man. so I emailed. Um, I didn't get a response. Um, I emailed again. I didn't get a response. Um, so, you know, I brought it up to him. I'm like, hey, I haven't gotten a response back. And he just said, look, they're busy. They said, did he say no? And I said, no, I didn't get a no response. He's like, keep going. Keep trying. Huh. Um, so, I mean, this went on for a while. Uh, I think definitely a few months before I even got a response. Hey, you probably forgot about those emails. <laughs> yeah. But, but then what happened was uh, just one day it was, I got, it, I got a response back. Um, someone dropped out of a U14 girls camp and they needed someone to come in. And so he asked like, Hey, uh, is there any chance you want to come in? Um, and I said, hell yeah, I, I figured it out and made it happen. Um, and so that was like my first true in, it was just basically just repetitive emails. And then I hopped on an opportunity that, that popped up because someone happened to drop out. Um, and that was my foot in the door. And then after that, I worked a few camps, uh, time slowed down because I went to PT school, but, uh, I worked a few camps from there and that's kind of how I stayed in the loop. I was kind of like over my way over my head when I was trying to like get involved in the national team. I just it, not in the national team, get involved in the MLS, but that was just like trying to just observe for free. <laughs> so yeah. the first, the first person I emailed was the strength and conditioning coach for, um, uh, for the New England Revolution, the guy was like straight, straight out of Tottenham, just got the job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Who, who I emailed him? I never got an answer. I, I emailed him through multiple avenues: LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram. I got nothing. You know, it, it's and that's honestly what happens sometimes. And I'll tell you, I got like other stories that we could talk about on another day, where just things did not work. You know, it just it, you try it. Um, until you get a no, though, I mean, just you got to keep digging, keep trying. That's true. Um, but the one thing I've learned, too, is uh, it's not just to, obviously there's like that route, but it's it's and you guys are obviously doing a great job of it. But increasing that network of soccer people. Right. If if the name starts to get out there and people, oh, yeah, I've heard of you before. It, it, it changes the whole it changes the whole uh, complexion of uh, a chance of a job. You're gonna get from people. Good to know. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And. Throughout your time with the, the youth national team, a lot of players message both of us saying like, hey, like, what's it like working for like the youth national team or professional team? Like, can you walk us through like a typical training day or even like a match day, what you do like hour by hour in terms of preparation and then um, following up after the event? Uh, definitely. Yeah. So uh, I'll give you uh, my most recent camp was with the U17 girls national team. So I'll kind of take you through a day with them. Uh, I also work, I travel with the men's team for two years. Um, and obviously that it's very different. Um, there's obviously some basic similarities, but you know, the men's national team has a certain amount of uh, budget that, you know, that keeps them going. And then the youth national team is obviously a little bit different, but we'll start with the youth national team. So we're just in camp with them in uh, March at, at IMG. And so like a typical training day will start. Um, usually training is 10, 10 30. Um, so we're usually up by six, um, getting everything set up. So first thing we do is go do hydration setup. So that's your waters, your ice, your things like that. Um, usually we'll do that at the hotel. Um, if you're lucky, uh, you'll have a, a nice setup that's already there at the field, but that's not that often that happens. So first thing we do is we get all that set up. Uh, we have breakfast around seven. 
So players start rolling in. Uh, we usually get there pretty early so that we can start um, treatment around eight o'clock. So the players come in at seven. We start treatment, taping, things like that uh, prior to that. So we get that done eight, eight thirty, forty-five. Usually the head athletic trainer will stay back at the hotel in case any players need anything during their meetings. Uh, the PT or the assistant AT or something like that will then head to the field and get everything set up. We're doing that probably around nine, nine fifteen to make sure that everything's ready to go when the players arrive at the field. They're usually getting there 9.45. Um, we're usually officially starting practice around 10, 10.15. So then, you know, during practice, during training, we're, uh, we're surrounding the field. We're carrying water. We're filling things up. You're assisting the equipment staff. You're assisting the coaching staff. Um, you're, you're involved in the practice, right? That's the idea. You're not just the athletic trainer or the physical therapist. You're helping with equipment. Sometimes you hop in drills. You know, I've definitely hopped in a few drills before. And uh, I'll tell you, with the U17 girls, they're pretty darn quick. So uh, it's, pretty, it's pretty challenging to play with them. Um, practice usually goes 90 minutes. So right after practice, we do field breakdown. We try to get that done within 15 to 20 minutes. We get our stuff together. We help sports science, fitness. We help the equipment staff try to get everything going. Players go to the locker room. They get showered. They get washed up. Any quick treatments we have to do there. We try to do, head back to the hotel. Usually lunch is about 12.30. Um, sometimes it gets pushed earlier, later, just depending on how session goes. After lunch, we have a, usually an open treatment room that runs from 1.30 to 5.30. Usually what happens early on in camp, it's pretty light, uh, just because obviously everybody's pretty fresh. Towards the end of the camp, we're usually having a pretty full training room uh, for those full four hours, maybe even longer, uh, just depending on what people people's needs are and what's going on so that's typically what you do if you have one a day uh two a days is a totally different monster so uh you know that's usually just rinse and repeat have lunch but then just repeat what i, I said in the morning so those tend to be very long days sure it's it sounds to me it is is completely different from what i would imagine a pt in a national team would do it seems like you have to have multiple like skill set you can't just be a physical therapist and just treat people in the injured like you gotta you gotta have like uh, you gotta have an atc background is, is that true like do you have to like if for example with someone coming in like me who who is just a just a pt and uh, I, I i you know i know other stuff from you know messing around with things but i don't have an official um atc certification um sure. education or anything like that um, so then I would basically be as be in a disadvantage from what you tell me. It seems like I have to do multiple different things too, aside from my, aside from being a physical therapist. So one of my colleagues, he does not have his ATC. He got his SCS. He got his sports certification done. Um, so he's working, uh, with the men's team at the moment. Okay. Uh, so, he, and so he just, he went and got his SCS, um, and he made good connections along the way. Um, so, yeah, I do think having one of those, having an ATC obviously helps. Um, I think having an SCS is very much adequate. Um, okay. But the more important thing is making sure you, once you have those, like, you know, there's going to be a lot of people that have them, but it's, it's the connections you make, the relationships you make along the way. Um, so, yeah, I mean, those things are important, but Again, like one of the big rules, uh, U.S. soccer, not rules, it was a guideline U.S. soccer had was mm -hmm. uh, if you're going to be a PT, you have to be an ATC as well. Um, but, huh. you know, when you, when you find a, 
when they found a good quality person, uh, you know, he came in. So, I mean, that's, I think the SCS is a very um, good route to take. And I think that's a way to kind of bridge that gap. Okay. Yeah. Cause I was always worrying about, um, you know, PT in, a, in, in any sort of sport team. Like I'm wondering like how much, like in terms of value and importance, so where do you fit in that model? Sure. sure. You- um, what I'll tell you too, I think with, you got to remember the national team versus a professional team are two very different settings, right? Okay. Uh, the professional setting is, you know, you're with these guys for the season, right? You have, you have your typical schedule, you know, when your games are, um, you have your home base, you usually have a training room, you have all these things set up. On the national team, it's kind of on the fly. Like, you go in for a camp. Maybe it's a one-week camp. Maybe it's a two-week camp. Um, and so your your level of knowledge, at least as a physical therapist, is a little different because you're not really treating this person for the long term. I got you. You're, you're worrying about them within this two-week period. Now, at the professional level, you know, working with, like, MLS, for example, um, that PT background goes, you know, goes a much longer way simply because you're with them for the entire year. So if there's I got a, you. Yeah, you're directly involved with that. I think that's especially where your skills can definitely come into play. Okay. Not that it doesn't come into play with the U.S. national team, but it is a very different setting than, than what you get with a professional team. Cool. Gotcha. Cool. From like a, a health or performance standpoint, you've been with both uh, the youth team and the senior team. Right. What's, what's the difference between them? Um, so, uh, the one thing I will say is that at every level, uh, they do a pretty darn good job of kind of providing what the athletes need. Um, the biggest difference is that with the nat- with the full national team, uh, if you need it, you get it. If that makes sense. Right. Uh, you typically, you have an ample staff. Um, you have a, you know, you have three to four coaches, you have one to two fitness coaches, you have up to four medical professionals. You usually have a medical doctor on staff. If there's something missing the equipment, guess what? You go get it right away, right? You order it, they get sent to you. Um, okay. If there's, you know, if there's anything you need that is going to assist the players, it's usually pretty simple and easy to get. Um, they don't argue that too much. At the youth team, you got to be a little more, um, you got to be a little more creative sometimes. Yeah, you got to uh, be a little more conservative. I wouldn't say that they're, you know, it's not that they nickel and dime it by any means, but it obviously is very different working with the youth team versus the full national team. Um, and I think the other thing I would say is that like we were talking about kind of the ad- adaptability that you need to have as a, as a PTATC, um, for the full national team, I think your roles tend to be a little bit more defined. You can hop into other roles and, and do things and help out other people. Um, but there's ample amount of people to do each of their jobs. Uh, with the youth national team, you might be wearing a lot of different hats because you're not having quite as deep of a staff. Um, gotcha. you're usually having everything you need, but it's definitely not to the, to the abundance that you have with full national team. Okay. Makes sense. And you kind of use some of these skill sets that you've been, um, using with the, the youth national team and your experience as a ATC in the past to kind of do some stuff with uh, a club in your area, beach FC. Um, what's been going on with them? Like, can you give some background to the club and what, what you've been working on with them? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, so uh, Beach FC is one of the development academy uh, clubs here in the, in the LA area. There's quite a few, uh, but they're one of the more local ones. Um, it's a, you know, I've always wanted to get involved with like youth soccer here in the area. Um, and I never really had an in, um, but my in with Beach FC came kind of in a very opportunistic way. 
um, I had an athlete that I was treating who had a long-term injury and basically we were kind of just talking and chatting about everything going on. And she was letting me know that, you know, they've had, they started to have a little string of injuries. Um, that started to pile up. Um, and I kind of took that upon myself to be like, all right, you know what? Like maybe there's an opportunity here. Um, cause you know, as you guys probably know, like clubs always have people contacting. Yeah. Um, and everyone's trying to reach out. Everyone's trying to, trying to get an opportunity to work with them or market or whatever it is. Um, uh, there's a large medical, uh, group, uh, here in LA, um, that I know for a fact had already gone out to beach FC to show them the, um, the FIFA 11 or the 11 plus program, right. To kind of walk them through it. They also said, Hey, if you ever need anything from an orthopedic standpoint, a medical doctor standpoint, you know, we're a connection. Nothing real. There was no real follow-up after that though. Right. It was kind of come out to the field, show you something. All right. Mm-hmm. See ya. Here's our card. Give us some business. Um, so this situation, basically when my athlete was ready to return to the field and start her, her rehab progression on the field, I went with her to practice. Um, so I went, got her back on the field. She was doing great. I chatted with the coach, kind of brought up just kind of my thoughts about, hey, I know like you guys have had a string of these. Like I'd love to chat with somebody to see if we could just help solve it. Because um, they're not getting PTs to come out just to That's true. with their player, right? So they're suddenly like, oh, crap, here's a guy who's actually coming out with their player to watch him get better, right? Um, so I met some of the coaches. I met one of the, the, the heads of the program. And I started a relationship there. Um, from there, I put together a program I wanted to uh, present to them. I met with um, the president, uh, the coaching director, and then this specific coach that I ran into. And I, I gave a proposal basically saying how it's great when, you know, medical professional stuff come out and want to help your players get injured. Has anybody come out and actually talk, talk to you about how do you keep your players on the field? Mm. Uh, and yeah, and that, so that was basically my take. I went with it. I said, obviously everybody, it's always great. People want to help you, your injured players get better, but you know, to be honest, I want to be obsolete. <laughs> That's how, what I said it. I don't want to be senior girls on the, in my, in my, yeah. practice, in my nobody wants that. Exactly. But I, that's, and that's what I said. I said, look, I want to be your insurance policy. Huh. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. <laughs> Might use that. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, good. Someone shared that with me. It was a really good one. So I said, I want to be your insurance policy. Um, so basically the foundations of the program are, uh, so at a uh, movement performance Institute, uh, Dr. Chris Powers, I don't know if, like, at least PT World may have heard of him. Um, but, you know, he specializes in knee pain. Um, and one of his big projects now is um, providing, like, screenings and return-to-play uh, criteria. So basically what we're doing is we're using that facility um, and using some of the tech that we have there to do these pre-injury screenings, basically, trying to get okay. them to come in, get some baselines on them, just watch their – you know, check out their strength levels of their hips, their quads, um, and then watch their general moving strategies. Is there anything that's, you know, like red, red flags, yellow flags, that might put them at a higher risk for a lower body injury. Um, and we're scoring it, we're providing it, we're giving that feedback back to them. Um, and then from there, the next step would be to kind of provide the advice, the training. Um, I was going to say, that. Um, now after you do the screening, uh, you having a strength and conditioning background, do you then – like whip out a like a four or five weeks plan just to get you know just to address those those deficiency and just general strength and conditioning period because you know doing i know clubs don't really have that in place 
Sure. Yeah. And I think that's kind of where the uh, interesting part of all this is going to expand. It's, it's still something that's developing. We were on a pretty good run of getting this thing going until obviously this whole COVID-19. Oh, shoot. Put a, a lot of things. Uh, but that was the plan. The plan was to provide this testing, the screening, and then do like a little seminar lab session to get every each team in on their own so that we can kind of go over generally what the results are saying, what they mean for the athletes, and then kind of start providing like a basic program that they can all get on. Um, and hopefully that just starts to provide some buy-in. Because uh, one of the things that is is you can provide the strengthening program, but if the buy-in's not there – it's you might be putting in a lot of work for very yeah, but if you if you if you're already doing that um the, the screening and all that stuff i think the buying is there is just oh yeah it's uh it, it's definitely believe me when they when they get that and they get that information that's step one of the buy-in right and then you provide some more information so that's a, that's what our seminar is for it's like hey here's some basic stuff that everybody on this team can do right mm, okay um, but then, of course, then the next step is there are going to be people who we tier kind of like at a higher risk, middle risk, lower risk, and maybe those are the ones you start doing some kind of specific training with, right? Okay. It all will help everybody, but you know that's kind of that's kind of our our setup to to get them going. We're still developing that, but that's kind of we're in phase two of all this right now. Basically. Now, we, throughout all this process, do you are you working just with the coaches, or are you working with parents as well? Uh, parents have to be directly involved with this, um, oh, and especially okay. when it comes to our data collection. Um, you know, it, it actually belongs to the parents and the players, right? Okay. Um, technically, I can't give any of that to the coaches unless the, the parents. parents. Okay. Um, yeah, so we're still treating like medical data, medical information. Um, but definitely, like one of the things we want to do is we want to compile that data and kind of give some averages. Um, I think so far we've tested about 40 girls. Um, we're, we're halfway there. Uh, we were supposed to be done this weekend, but like, as I said, things got put to a halt. Um, but I mean, the general data, like I can just say off the bat, it's like, you can see that, and this is a problem across the board. These girls are pretty strong in their quads, pretty weak in their hips. And, uh, a lot of them have some pretty kind of just risky movement strategies, I guess you can say, right. That could potentially put them at risk. So there's definitely something we can do. And I think this, at least this thing we're doing with beach, I think can be expanded to a lot of other clubs. Totally, man. I, I mean, women's soccer up to one of the highest rate in terms of like ACL injury. So the more you can provide in that aspect on the front end, the better it is in the back end. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I think it's really important too, that um, a lot of the exercises you do give, it sounds like they are a little bit on the more basic end, but it sounds like something that is doable and is able to be accomplished on the field rather than maybe it's always good to go to another facility or a gym, but sometimes we have to be a little bit more realistic and say, Hey, what can we do on the pitch during this 90 minute training session to yeah. accomplish our goal? Yeah. Uh, and, and that's, that's probably the biggest point. It's, you know, it's great. Hey, we can get these girls into a facility, but you know, I, I don't know how it is in New Jersey. I'm sure there's a lot of similar things, but, I mean, some of these girls you talk, so they have their club coach, maybe they have a high school coach, they have a sprint coach, and I'm actually going off the players I've talked to. They have a skills coach. Now they have their strength coach. So there's already five cooks in the kitchen, and then here comes number six, right? So we got, instead of trying to be like another cook in the kitchen, we got to find ways that we can kind of collaborate with some of the, the cooks that are already there, right? And for us, it's, they have to be there at practice. Um, 
what can we do uh, within a practice session before, after, some basic home program that we can give them that can be of value to them, right? Something that, and that's something that's easy for them to, to participate in. Hmm, gotcha. Cool. Okay. Um, now that you that, mentioned that, you have to you have to work with all this cook. Now it sounds a little bit more complicated <laughs> than, than, than I than I thought. It, it it I like as I'm doing this, I start to realize how much more complex this gets. But then it makes me realize how important it is not only for it to be simple, but how like simple and concise your message needs to be to the coaches, the parents, the players. Because if you sell them on it, you you can make a lot of things happen, right? That's, that's the key to it all. And the beauty of our testing is that, you know, it's, it's like an MRI that you give somebody. It's like, look, it's not me telling you, check out your data, right? This is exactly what the issue is. I'm not, I'm not telling you anything. This is just what your data is telling you. This is something we need to work on. And I, I think the buy-in with that is, 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 that's the big sell. That's the big buy-in. Because if they see the problem without you having to tell them, uh-huh. it's much easier for them to want to participate to get better. Mm. Okay. No, I'm curious to see where do you find the time to actually get all these people together because it, it's, you know, a club, you, you, you there, if they're renting a facility, you got to be there for a certain time and you got to go like where yeah. you, how are you fitting those time in? Yeah. So, uh, what we're doing is we're providing weekends, right? So we're coordinating with the coaches. Um, for example, we are getting about 20 girls a weekend testing, um, getting everything done. And that's usually done on, an off day when they don't have a game, an off weekend, something like that. Um, and we're incorporating that as well um, with the seminar, the labs that we're going to do with them too. So we, we're hoping to get about four teams in on a weekend. Okay. And it's so growing. It's, it's growing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sucks this corona had to put a I know it, this pause on through this thing, man. I know. We were, we were rolling pretty quickly too and then just kind of like a big, a big halt. But uh, – but it gives us some time to plan other things and make sure that once this thing is uh, under control and we're back at it, we'll be able to run this thing smoothly. For sure. Um, kind of our, our closing question was, if you had to give a message to every youth player, what would it be? But I kind of want to change it on the fly a little bit. Yeah, um, I, got, I, have you, one thing, I have one thing for him too. So we got two for you. Um, I guess number one is if you had to give a message to every youth club out there, whether it be DA, ECNL, travel, rec, whatever, what would that message be? Um, One of the most important things for all your players is having your players available. You got to be on the field. You got to do everything you can to keep them there. And if you're not investing in what keeps them available, what keeps them on the field, then you're wasting a lot of time and a lot of money. And the parents are wasting a lot of time and a lot of money. Hmm. So, what we come at is strength training and movement training, movement skill acquisition are some of the most important things that one keeps your players strong, keeps your players durable, keeps them on the field. And more importantly, will more likely make them last for the full 90 minutes. So I think if there isn't an investment in keeping your players strong, fit and durable, um, you're really wasting a lot of time and money. And uh, I think with this club, it was an opportunity because they started to experience it a little bit firsthand and it's something that we can nip early. Um, but I, you know, and that's the hard part. Sometimes clubs won't see it until it becomes a problem. Oh, hmm. you're not. <laughs> sounds, <laughs> sounds like it's like, it sounds like our government, <laughs> but then I get out of, when I get into politics, 
question no this one this one no bullshit right listen we, we're doing all this work for the youth team but yet we're still not as good as the european man what, what can be done man? what what's what's <laughs> what's happening man? what's the next step bro oh man okay these are the good questions huh um so uh man what I, what i tell you i think that while we're not there yet i think i think you're genuinely starting to see the development um when uh i you know the da started um that was kind of one of the first answers they wanted to get to start developing athletes right and you know it has its goods and it has its negatives but i think the fact that now there are these funded academies with the mls and things like that I mean, you're starting to see the, the, the talent develop. Could things get better? But I think we're, we're, we're seeing the infancy of this whole project, like, turn out. And, and, and look, who, look who we got out there right now. I mean, look at the young bucks coming up right now. They're doing great. Yeah, they're, they're, you know? they're good. I mean, there's some genuinely good, talented soccer players out there, like the Weston McKinney's, Christian Pulisic's, Tyler Adams, Gio Reyna's kicking butt. I mean, you got some, you got some talented young kids that are competitive. Uh, yeah, I went with the I went with the U23 national team uh, last year uh, on one trip, and there are some young kids that I mean they're good players. Um, it and I th I think that the start of the academy is something that is at least a step in the right direction. Um, I think I'm going totally just personal here. Uh, one of the things I just I I don't like to see in youth is like like I said these five cooks in the kitchen, all these different coaches. It, I just I think people are missing the point, you know? The number one thing is, like, get strong, get fit, and just get your foot on a ball. I mean, just get your foot on a ball. Make sure you're – if you're really passionate about wanting to develop, you need to have your foot on the ball. You need to be watching soccer. You need to be doing these things that kind of will help you develop your brain, develop your mind, develop your technical ability. But also, more importantly, is kind of continue to develop that desire to get better, right? It's not for the college scholarship or anything like that. It's just I want to be a better football player better soccer player or yeah, solid that, and, that's and really solid, good advice yeah. that's really good advice and I, I think you're on the right track tyler adams jersey native red bull academy that's <laughs> right by me so hopefully we can keep on producing players like that but um siraj thank you so much yeah, for coming man, on to the show so today really good yeah, advice man. um hope you guys really take some of those points home because i think he hit on a lot of them yeah, and we'll, we'll keep in touch, man. I got, I got. I'm, I'm gonna start doing some, some freelance work with a club, and I'm gonna need some advice. So I'll be in touch. Do it, man. Hey, that's a great place to start. I'm telling you, and I'm, and I'll be honest with you, man. It is so much fun because a lot of these kids they want to learn, man. They're trying, they're trying to do anything to get better. And if you can provide it, it's, it's actually really rewarding. It's a great time. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you guys for listening. We'll see you all next week. All right.